Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes. All right, if you're there, can you say amen? amen? If you don't have a Bible, share with the person you're sitting next to. If you're both single, a lot of things can happen today. Um, we're going to put it up on the screen. If you're watching online, we're going to put it up on your screen as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon wrote this. I think it's beautiful. It's extremely meaningful. And I think our world needs to hear this today. Beginning in verse 1. One more time. If you're there, can you say amen? The word of the Lord says this, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that is also proved to be meaningless. Somebody say meaningless. meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem or a prostitute as well, the delight of a man's heart. I, be I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Look at verses 10 and 11. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Nothing was gained under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 Let's talk about it for the next maybe 20, 25 minutes. I, I think there's a whole lot of wisdom in these verses that we can learn from today. We talked about pride. We talked about possessions. Today, we're going to talk about pleasures. The idol of pleasure. Somebody say pleasure. It's sitting in the throne of our hearts, and we got to make sure we got it in the right place. I've titled uh, this teaching, The Distortion of Pleasure. The Distortion of Pleasure. If you got a notebook, write that down or put it on a phone. One more time, happy Father's Day. And I don't want to continue without uh, honoring my own father who's here. This is my dad, my hero, my coach, my pastor, my everything. Papi lo quiero mucho. Gracias por todo. My hero from uh, um, as long as I can. If I can become half the man that man is right there, I'll be okay in life. He's the best man I've ever known. And I love you so much. Let's pray. I'll keep going and we're, I'm going to be an emotional wreck. 
but uh, let's keep going. And then we're going to go celebrate, and we're throwing a barbecue at the house, and I hope you're celebrating today. And by the way, you may not be a physical father, or you may not have a physical father, but I believe we have spiritual fathers, people who can mentor you, or you can become a mentor to somebody else, and we need more good fathers in our society, spiritually, in a mentorship, in all kinds of ways. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word that it brings life. Thank you for your word that it brings healing. And I pray that today you heal, you save, you deliver, you open up eyes. And I pray that you do amazing things in our heart today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Calvary Church, for this family here and watching all over the place, God. We thank you. We pray that today you will open up our eyes to see you and bring correction, challenge us so that we may grow in you and be more like you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. And it is in Jesus' name that all of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. Can you make some noise one more time? Come on. King Jesus. Um, I grew up in, in a house with both my parents. Uh, they're Costa Rican, Hispanic, and I don't know if, if your parents did this, but um, my mom is an extremely active mom. She's always up to something. And uh, growing up in our household, um, you never knew when you would get home and she decided to switch the whole house around. Anybody got parents like that or a mom like that? I would get home and I didn't recognize my house. She had moved the couch. She had moved the dining room table. She had moved everything around in the house. I would walk in like, did we move? Am I walking into the wrong house? I have no idea. Where, where I used to sit down, we no longer sit down anymore. Where we used to watch TV is now where we eat, right? Everything has been switched around. I would walk into my room and my room was no longer the same room that I left in the morning. My bed was on the opposite wall. My dresser was upside down. Everything had been, she had switched, moved, twisted the house around. When I needed to look for something, I was so used to going to one place, I had to learn it was no longer there, and now I'm looking in a brand new direction. She had taken it from its normal state to a brand new state. You could say she distorted the house. To distort means to take out of its normal, natural state. Some of us go play soccer every now and then, and um, I had never played soccer in my life. I'm just starting to learn how to play soccer, and I've become pretty good if I do so myself. But, 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 but we go play soccer here and then, some of the guys. And uh, a few weeks ago, uh, playing soccer, Jersey was getting ready to uh, kick a soccer ball. And as he planted his foot on the turf, the cleats, they went deep down inside the turf, and with one foot swinging to kick the ball, the, the cleat that was stuck to the turf, that foot did not move while his whole body rotated to make a kick. So as he twisted his body around, breaking his bone, twisting his ankle, because it got out of its normal, natural state. You could say his bone became distorted. I, I bring up those stories and I bring up those explanations to try to explain that our longings, our affections, our desires, our wants have been distorted. They have been moved from their natural, normal state to an unnatural, unnormal place. We are looking, we're searching but yet it is now in a brand new place and not where it's supposed to be. In fact, I put it like this. We have right desires searching in wrong directions. We have affections. We have these longings. Every single one of us, every single human being. 
We have these longings and these desires in our heart, these affections, these passions. We want to be satisfied. We want to be full of hope. We want to be content. We want to find purpose. We want to find calling. Every single human being, yet we are searching all over the world and can find nothing to satisfy the human soul. We've searched everywhere and anywhere, yet nothing seems to fill us. We search high and low, we search wide and deep, but yet nothing seems to satisfy humanity's soul. We're looking. We want everything the world has to offer. We have everything the world has to offer, especially in the country that we live in, the United States of America, where there are pleasures that you can indulge in as long as you want, yet nothing seems to satisfy the soul. And I think humanity is searching because we know there is a fingerprint of something bigger than us in our soul. We know we've been marked. Something formed us while we were in our mother's womb. There is a creator. There has to be. There is an architect. There's somebody who organized us. There's somebody who formed us. And when we come out of our mother's womb, we're looking and searching. Who was the one that formed me? Who was the one that spoke to me in that secret place? And we look throughout of our lives trying to find that thing that once spoke to us while we were being created. And so we search all throughout the world. Where is the lover of my soul? That's why when we find somebody that we're compatible with and that we fall in love, we say, I found my soulmate. <laughs> Only to realize it was the devil's assistant. I'm just kidding. It was a lot of us were looking for people to satisfy what only God could satisfy. The lover of our soul. Is God Almighty. The lover of our soul, the one who formed us in our mother's womb, the one who gave us the color of our eye, the color of our hair, the one that determined who we would be. He shaped us and formed us. His fingerprints are all over us, and yet we're searching. Who do these fingerprints belong to? It is not to a material thing. It is not to another human being. It is God, Almighty God. And if you look upward, you will find who's the one that created the soul. But yet we search and we can't find it. C.S. Lewis, an incredible author, theologian, Christian thinker, who was an atheist, then became a believer toward the end of his life. Look at what he said. He said, the books or the music in which we thought that beauty was located will betray us if we trust in them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found. The echo of a tune we have not heard. News from a country we have never yet visited. How beautiful does he put it? The beauty that is in this world should all point right back up to the creator God. He is the one that gives us all the pleasures that this world has to offer. Not to make them idols, but to enjoy them and to realize it is God, the only one that can satisfy the human soul. So we're looking and we're trying to satisfy ourselves with all these things but they don't fill us. They can't fill us. In fact, the opposite is true. Instead of filling us, they leave us empty. Instead of fulfilling us and making us content, they make us feel lonely. And we will go drink down to the bottom of every bottle, jump from bed to bed, from relationship to relationship, entertain ourselves with everything we can, yet we are still lonely, anxious, stressed, empty. Philosophers call this the hedonistic paradox. 
And what that means is that we are trying to find pleasure and we make the most of it trying to please ourselves only to find out it evaporates before us and we can't find it. The hedonistic pleasure. I'm looking, I'm searching, I'm trying to find something that satisfies me, but it does not last and it does not fill. Today, some of us were broken we're feeling empty. We're feeling lonely. We've tried relationships. We've tried vices. We've tried all kinds of entertainment. We've tried to fill our body. But I want to tell you that physical pleasures can never fill a spiritual vacancy. You got to turn your attention upward. You got to put your eyes on Jesus. Us collectively, we got to search for the only one. Change the direction of your affections. Your desires have been distorted. But there's a God that wants to correct it. And he wants to fill us. He wants to bring satisfaction. He brings purpose. Only he brings joy. Only he brings peace. Can't no drug do it. Can't no sex do it. Can't nothing in this world do it. The way my God can do it. He can fill us, satisfy us, and give us more than this world has to offer. If you're thankful to God, can you give him a praise this morning? Oh, come on. If he filled you, if he satisfied you, if he saved you, he forgave you. Come on. Can't nobody do it like my God can do it. Today, if you're empty, he'll fill you. Today, if you're confused, he'll give you direction. Today, if you're broken, he'll heal you. Today, if you're feeling lonely, he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's the God that we have. In fact, we put it this way. Search for the Savior to find satisfaction of the soul. Today, you want to find satisfaction? It is only found in Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? The book of Ecclesiastes is an incredible book. We went through it as a church several years ago, and many of you were here for that series. And It's a book full of wisdom. King Solomon wrote it. King Solomon had it all. Many people, whether they're believers or not, have heard of King Solomon because of all the fame that he gained while he was alive. He was the Elon Musk of his day. He was the Bill Gates of his time. At today's standards, he was considered still a multi-billionaire. He had it all, owned it all, he could buy whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. I mean, he could make it rain. I mean, this was, this was the guy. And yet we get to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 where he's writing about our life, this world. And he says, whew, I've tried everything. I've had palaces. In my palaces, I build gardens. What does he say in chapter 2? He said, I put every kind of fruit tree you, you want mango? Come, I got mangoes forevermore. You don't have to steal from your neighbor in Miami. You can come get it. And so- <laughs> if you're not from our city, pray for us. It's a high crime in our city. <laughs> I mean, he had all kinds of oranges, apples, everything you could have. I mean, Solomon, he owned it all. I mean, whatever he wanted, he can get chapter two. We just read it. He said, I wanted everything, whatever, my, whatever I decided, nothing that I wanted, I, I didn't keep. I, I, I got it all. I went after everything. He goes, I hired the best singers, male and female, to be in the palace singing. Imagine having that much money that you wake up and somebody's singing, the best singer. Imagine waking up and you got Andrea Bocelli in your bedroom. Oh, getting ready for work. Oh, good morning. Like, oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to try out for the worship team, but. <laughs> I mean, you get tired of that voice, you just hire another one. 
God, what do you want? You want, you know what I want? I want a lot of sex. So he had multiple wives, thousands of women, right? Like whatever you wanted, whatever you wanted. And yet he does everything. And at the end, he says, it's meaningless. I'm not satisfied. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I've tried everything. I've had all the money. I've had all the fruits. I've eaten everything I've wanted, the best spices, the best chefs in the world, the best singers, the best people I can have relationship with. I've tried everything, yet I'm still empty. Like Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones said, and I still can't get no, got some fans in here. <laughs> I still can't find no satisfaction. I've seen all the beauty in the world, yet it does not bring peace to my soul. Travel the world. See everything that the world has to offer. Consume it. Indulge in it. Eat all you want. Entertain yourself with all you want. Have all kind of relationships. Go humanity. Do all that you want, yet you will see it does not satisfy. Michelangelo, the Italian sculpture, artist, architecture, architect, he made it all. I mean, talk about this man created beauty, yet toward the end of his life, look at what he says. Neither painting nor sculpture will be of any able longer to calm my soul. Now turn toward that divine love that opened his arms on the cross to take us in. You want true beauty, Michelangelo says? It's only found in the cross of Jesus. That's where you will find peace for your soul. That's where you will find rest and hope for the anxious soul. It is only found there, and nothing that the world has to offer can do it. We, we got an idol problem in America with pleasure. Yeah. Let's talk about it for a little bit. We got an idol, and we're all in this fight together. Like, this is not, well, look at some of you. It's all of us are in this fight. It's sitting in the throne of the American heart. Like, let's talk about one. Let's, let's talk about the idol food, food pleasure. It's all over America. We overconsume more than any other country when it comes to food. We throw more food away than countries consume on a given day. So, like, we're, we are overeating. A lot of us, we, we point out other people's sin, but secretly, there's this thing called gluttony that a lot of us are dealing with, and we don't want to talk about that one. Right? And so, we got Christian leaders that are failing in this area, right? 68% of Americans are obese. We got a problem. Everybody dealing with high cholesterol and high blood pressure. And, and I'm, I'm struggling. I know it looks like I'm there, but I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm in the struggle with you, right? What do we call it? We call it comfort food. And we're searching for satisfaction in a physical form. I'm stressed. Boyfriend just broke up with me. Girlfriend just broke up with me. Or I just lost my job. Let me go find some comfort food. Right? Psychologists call it emotional eating. We are trying to find a physical solution to a spiritual problem. The heart is not satisfied. It's looking. So I will consume all I can. And it doesn't mean you need to have a six pack. It doesn't mean you need to be skinny. But we have an issue that we need to get it under control. Well, I'm, I'm looking toward food instead of looking toward the Savior. And maybe I'm just searching in the wrong place. The desires are wrong. The location is wrong. How about entertainment? Come on, that's a big one for all of us. Right? We, we, we binge watch on all kind of TV shows. Netflix. I mean, we will stay up to 3 o'clock in the morning. And it says next episode. It will, go, it will jump quick because if it can grab your attention, <laughs> we'll stay hooked on that thing all night. Right? 
If we're just trying to find, I'm bored, so we don't know what to do. We're bored, so we just, let me watch some series. I'm bored. Sports is a huge one, trying to entertain us, trying to bring some kind of excitement and fun to our life. And none of that is wrong, but we can't make a good thing a God thing because it will become a bad thing. Yeah. Our football stadiums, our arenas are packed. Like people are there like in droves. I can't wait to go watch. They get there early. They're tailgating. They're barbecuing. People will miss worship services to go to football games, right? And, and they'll paint their faces and they'll chant and they'll scream. If their team loses, they are destroyed for weeks <laughs> as if we were going to gain anything if they won. Imagine if we treated our worship services the way we do our entertainment. This service is done though. Next one, next one. I'll stay for the 1 p.m. too. Like next episode, next episode. Imagine if we showed up to church the way we do to show up at, a, at our football games. Like we're pulling up on Sunday morning. People are tailgating outside and we're like, what's going on? Worship's about to begin. I can't wait. It starts in three hours. Yeah, I know, but I'm excited to worship God. Imagine the line of cars going all the way down to the turnpike and everybody's like, what is going on? Church, <laughs> it's about to start. Come on, we're going to worship the sun. Oh, I can't wait to go and get my praise on. <laughs> but when it comes to our worship service, if we show up third song in, we're not leaning in, we're not taking notes. I've been there. I grew up in church. There's times I'm like, oh my God, hurry up. Right? Like I've been there. It's a struggle. But yet entertainment was calling me. And I was running to all these other things. Didn't want to miss a heat game. That 2010, 2014 run can nothing get in the middle of one of those games. It was LeBron James, Bosh, Wade, not one, not two, not three. We only won two. <laughs> if we worship God the way we worship entertainment, I think we'll find some satisfaction for the soul. Yet we're worshiping all these things in the world and we're finding more anxiety, more mental health problems, no peace. We're finding an opioid problem. There's a problem in America. 2020, in the year 2020, 92,000 Americans died of overdose. 92,000. I was talking to a friend four weeks ago on the phone. And he said, hey, can you pray for my brother? He just lost three friends to an overdose. Some of them doing heroin. Some of them smoking weed that was laced up with fentanyl. And we're just trying to find, no, it just brings peace to my soul. Be careful. We're trying to feel something that only God can feel. We're trying to find satisfaction, but we can't find it. Alcohol abuse at an all-time high. Six Americans die a day by alcohol poisoning. We're searching, we're looking, what can bring me peace? You know what I think we're trying to do? We're trying to find healing to our traumas. Mom left us, dad left us, and years later, we're trying to find the solution at the bottom of a bottle, at the end of a crack pipe, maybe in heroin, maybe in a bed, maybe another relationship. Can I tell you, only God can deal and heal the traumas of the human heart. Today, you don't have to run into the arms of another lover. Today, you don't have to go into the bottom of another bottle. There's a savior named Jesus. Only he can bring peace. Only he can bring hope. Only he can heal the heart. Only he can come and take up all those wounds and heal them by the blood of Jesus. He is the solution. It's nothing else in this world. Everything else leaves us addicted and strung out and with no hope. Sex. Oh, come on. Pornography addiction is at an all-time high as well. One study said that in between 50 to 99% of men are watching pornography daily. 
30 to 50% are women that are watching. It's no longer a men problem. It's men and women. Yeah. We're just trying to find something to satisfy us. The eyes, the lust of physical relief will never be able to fill spiritual vacancy. Like before, it was easier to go hide something or to find something. It was actually harder to find something. You had to go to a shady store and find some magazine in the back of some pile. Some of you know what I'm talking about. How do I know? I don't know. I've been told. Back in those days, you had to go into some store and try to find. Today, it's on our cell phones. We got kids at 11, 12 years old watching pornography. What is it going to do to our culture and our world? They become idols in our life. I'll try to find satisfaction here. I'll try to fulfill something that I'm longing for in physical arms or a physical relief, a physical feeling. But yet, we still can't find. All of our desires have been twisted. They're not bad desires. We should want to be filled, fulfilled and satisfied, but, but it's supposed to be in the one who made our soul. They've been twisted, all of us, all of us, and we're all in this fight. What do, what do pleasures that have been twisted, what, what do they look like? Here are three things that I think distortion does and that we can see in how they lie. Distortion of pleasures, we'll see that they, they will not satisfy. The direction that we're looking at it doesn't satisfy the soul. All of these things, they'll bring temporary satisfaction, but not lasting satisfaction. None of these things that we're going after, not a show, not a vice, not another relationship, no plate of food, it cannot satisfy what God did in a supernatural way. Number one, they do not satisfy. Number two, they will not last. All of them, they'll bring you satisfaction maybe 10 minutes, 30 minutes, two hours at a game, three hours at a movie. A relationship will bring you satisfaction for a few months, perhaps a few years, but if you make that your idol, you will finally see that it will not satisfy the human soul. They're not eternal. They don't satisfy, they don't last. And number three, they are not real. We are worshiping counterfeit gods. It's not the real deal. Our soul is going after something that is just a replication of the real thing. They're not real. I'm chasing, I'm looking, I'm trying to satisfy something. And yet I see these are all the problems I'm looking at when I look in the wrong direction. And, and you know what, you know what, you know what Satan is so good at doing? He'll come up to you and me and he'll be like, I told you, God wants to take all the fun out of your life. That's what he did to Eve. He said, look at the tree. It is beautiful. Eat of the tree. Eat of its delight is what he said. Oh, and you'll see. You know what? He makes us focus on what we can't have and takes our attention and focus out of all that we could have. God said you're just going to have from one tree, but there was a million other trees you could have eaten from. But he turns your attention into what you can't. Today, some of us today, we'll probably focus as we're hearing this message. Oh, that means I can't have premarital sex. That means I can't have gluttony in my life. That means I can't binge watch on all these shows. You could do, all what, you could do whatever you want. But God put parameters in our life for a reason. He's given us, we said this a couple of weeks ago, boundaries are a blessing in our life. I'm not going to look at God as a killjoy. I'm going to look at God as a good father who cares for me, loves me, wants to protect me, and wants to make sure I walk in my purpose, destiny, and calling, and I fulfill all that he created me for. A 
pastor was sharing a story of his son. They had a goldfish, and the son decided to grab the goldfish in the cup and put it next to the pool. Dad, I want the fish to go swimming with me. He's like, son, the, the fish can't swim in the pool. Yes, I could. Called it Nemo. He had Nemo next to the pool. Nemo decides to jump out of the cup and into the pool. And the son is like, look at him. And if you look at it, a goldfish in a pool, I mean, he is now living life, living large. You have me in a cup. I was going in, I was dizzy in that cup. Nemo was dizzy in the cup. The pool seemed like, I mean, just everything he could want. What he didn't know is that the pleasure was actually poison. And the chemicals in the water would kill him eventually. And within minutes, the goldfish was belly up, floating in the water. Boundaries are a blessing. We get mad at God for putting boundaries, but yet we don't get mad at traffic lights. We don't get mad at stop signs. We don't get mad at speed limits. We don't get mad at all these other boundaries that we have in society that bring order to our life for our safety. Imagine what would happen if all of us start to ignore traffic. Hey, when you get out of here, ignore every light. Don't worry about it. Ignore all the speed limits. Don't put on your seatbelt. Enjoy it. No, I'm actually glad that we have boundaries. Boundaries are a blessing. Are you, are, are you hearing me, church? Are you following me, what I'm saying? What do we do? Here's the thing. God is not a killjoy. He's not taking things away. So now it's not like I got all these things that I can't. I no longer have things in my life. How, what do we do with all these desires, affections, longing of the soul? It's not just taking them away. It's finding a new place to put them in. One commentator said, the only way to leave the path of a false God is to create a new path toward the true God. The only way to leave the path of a false God is to create a new path toward the true God. So all our pathways are leading us to all these things that are not good or fulfilling for our soul. What do you have to do? You have to carve out a new path in your life. Don't just get rid of good things in your life. Fill your life with better things. Are you following me, church? This is what we do. It's not that God is saying, hey, remove all these things. God's saying, I got better things for your life. So how do we do that? I'll finish up with these last three things. How do we do that? Number one, I think what we need is God thoughts. It starts in the mind. The, the, the mind is the battlefield of the enemy. It's where he throws darts. And if he can control your mind, he can control your life. Right? Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. As, as a man thinketh, so is he. Right? So if my mind always goes toward these pleasures of the earth, I'm just gonna, I think I'm going to find satisfaction in another one-night stand. I think I'm going to find satisfaction if I commit adultery in my marriage. I think I'm going to find satisfaction if I eat another plate of food. I think I'm going to find satisfaction if I binge-watch the whole night because I'm just not feeling good. I need to change my thoughts. And then I say, whoa, wait, I'm going to create a new pathway in my mind. It's going to take some time. Science has proven this. From a very young age, the way we think and what we do, our actions create neurological pathways in our mind. So that's why now it's easy to do some of the actions we do. Because there's a road already carved out in our brain. Literally, a road in our brain. But science has also proven that you can now create new roads in the brain. In other words, I'm not going to go down that road anymore. I'm going to go down a new road. So anytime maybe a lust feeling comes up, I'm not going to watch pornography. I'm going to run into my connect group. And I'm going to call a leader or a pastor and I'm going to ask them to pray for me because I don't want to go after pleasures that will not satisfy the soul. Are you hearing me? This is why community is important. What you surround yourself with will determine a lot of your thoughts. Who's around you? We start connect groups this week. 
told you last week is only six weeks. Get in a connect group today. It will help your thought life. If you're around friends, if you're around people that are only going to tell you, yeah, go ahead. Talk to that coworker. Have fun. Go have that fling outside of marriage. Hey, your weight, it doesn't matter. Consume all you want. Hey, it doesn't matter how many drugs you're taking. Keep going. Hey, let's go out another night at the bar. Who you're around determines a lot. Replace those bad thoughts with good thoughts. It's going to take time. And this is why we need therapists, doctors, pastors to help us. But you can create new pathways in the mind. Are you following me, church? Look what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any, any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What are you thinking about? Today, I'm going to get my mind out of the gutter and I'm going to create new pathways. We're all on this journey. Our world is bombarding us with stuff. Protect your mind. Protect your mind. Get around some good circles. Anybody grateful for their circle, their connect group, their friends, their parents, their pastors, their leaders? Come on, pray. pray. We, we need prayer in today's world more than anything else. I want to fix my thought life because I don't want to keep running after things that will not fulfill. Are you hearing me? Number two, not only God's thoughts, number two, God's word. How do you fix your thoughts? By filling yourself with God's word. You will not know what is good and praiseworthy and lovely if you don't have the word of God with you. You, you need a Bible in your life. Today, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. If you're here, we got Bibles that we buy all throughout the year because of our giving, because of our generosity, because of our offering. We buy thousands of Bibles a year and we give them away. Diana and the city care team the other day sent, I think it was 80 Bibles to high schoolers that they didn't own a Bible. And now high school students today have a Bible in their hands, right? Because you don't need another social media platform. You don't need Tinder. You don't need any of that. What you need is the word of God to help you, to fill you so that you can find who God is and all he has in your life. But what we give people is applications, food, entertainment. What we don't give is the word of God. Today, get a Bible in your hand, a physical Bible. Because I know we're, we're, we'll be on our iPhone and a message pops up, a notification pops up, and we go from the Word of God to social media. It's happened to all of us. Today, get a Word in your life. God's Word, it will begin to shape you, help you, heal you. How do you say that? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Today, you need the word of God in your life. If you want healing for your soul, you and I, the only way we'll battle these idols of pleasure in our life is by filling our thoughts with God's word. I need the word of God. This is why coming to church is important. Some people say, well, I'm not going to church today because it's, it's raining outside. When you get in community and you get around and you hear the word of God, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As anybody comes up here to either worship, preach, pray, it begins to fill my soul. I get faith on the inside and now I realize he's the only one that can satisfy me. All these other things are calling my attention because they want to destroy me. But there's a God that wants to build me up. There's a God who has purpose in my life. I need to get around God's people and God's word. The band could come up. We're going to finish up. Number one, God thoughts. Number two, God's word. Number three, and finally, God's presence. You need to get in God's presence. Something happens when we're in the presence of God that brings peace to the soul. 
It's just an environment that's created. When you begin to pray, when you begin to read, when you begin to worship, you are now in God's presence. And I think a lot of us were really good at church attendance, really poor at being in God's presence. There's a lot of Christians that have become professional church attenders, but very poor at God's presence. Like, like I, I've been there, I grew up in church. I've been in church my entire life. My parents have helped out in church their entire life, so I grew up in church every single day of my life. I know the motions, I know the songs, I know all of that, but you can be in a building one day and yet be so separated from God internally. If you want the peace of God in your life, you need, to, you need to learn how to cultivate God's presence in your life. Get some practical ways of doing that. You wake up in the morning and the first thing you do, you put on some worship and you spend 15, 20 minutes with God. I'm not going to run to social media that's throwing all kind of ads in my eyes. I'm not going to run to my email that's bringing all kind of stress. I'm not going to run to my text to see if anybody validate me or wants me. or is it, I'm going to go to the presence of God. I'm going to get in my word. I'm going to fix my thought life. I'm going to get in his presence as I worship, as I pray. I'm cultivating the presence of God. Learn how to cultivate God's presence in your life. Create a place where you and God, it might be the car. What are you listening to in the car? What you're, who you're talking to in the car? I'm going to cultivate God's presence. Because in God's presence, you'll find satisfaction of the soul. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, you show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What the body wants, the presence of God has. Satisfaction of the soul. For all of our desires that have been distorted, slides of the enemy, put them back in the right place. I'll finish with this story that I heard. Pastor Tony Evans shared this story. He said that some of us are really good at surfing when we should be skiing. And he says that's what pleasures are. The surfer has to go out into the deep ocean and wait for a wave. And when the wave comes, we get on top of the board and we're surfing and it'll last 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes. And when that wave is done, we fall into the water and we gotta get back on our board and swim right back out. Then the next wave comes and we jump on top of our board and we're feeling euphoric once again and we're surfing. We're like, this is amazing. This is awesome, I'm surfing. <laughs> and the wave dies out. Grab the board, swimming right back out again. Swimming to the deep ocean. Another wave is coming, I'm gonna jump on the board and I'll be there for two minutes. I'm exhilarated, awesome, and then the wave dies. And a lot of us, this is how we're chasing satisfaction. Wave after wave after wave. Maybe it's another plate of food, maybe it's another sexual relationship, maybe it's another drug, maybe it's something else to, to try to fill me. But eventually every wave dies. The water skier? Oh, he doesn't have to worry about waves because he's tied to the boat that creates the waves. The water skier just has to stand up on those skis. And when the boat turns on and it gets going, all you have to do is stand on those skis because you are tethered and tied to something that has more power than you. And that boat will create the waves you need and all of a sudden you will find yourself skiing hours on end because it's not based on your power and it's not based on anything around you. It is based on the power of the boat in front of you. Can I tell you today, if you tie yourself to the one that has all the power, oh, he'll satisfy the soul and you won't have to be chasing waves. He'll got you. You just stand up on the rock 
and he'll supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Oh, he'll give you all the pleasures of the world. He'll fill you with hope. He'll fill you with peace. He'll fill you with nothing that this world can give you. It is supernatural. It is only found in him. I'm going to stand on Christ Jesus the rock. Come on. Let's stand up to our feet. With every eye closed, with every hand raised. Thank you, Jesus. We pray today you bring peace. We pray that today you bring healing, God. Some of us that have been looking and longing for places and people and validation and healing in all the wrong places. Some of us at the bottom of a bottle. Some of us in drugs. Some of us in crack or coke. Some of us in weed. Some of us in sexual relationships. Some of us in comfort food. Some of us in television shows or entertainment. God, is all just mask, masking the true symptom of the heart. And it's that we need Jesus to heal us. And so, Father, we pray that today you come healing. We pray that today you come reveal, come removing the idols of our heart, God. Come on, lift up every hand. Today, come on, it's, it's a fight we're all in, and he brings healing, he brings hope. Today, Father, we pray that you bring healing, God. If there's anybody addicted in this place, in Jesus' name, we pray freedom over your life. You don't need another drug. You don't need another relationship. you got King Jesus on your side. He will satisfy your soul. In Jesus' mighty name. Today, if you've been looking from relationship to relationship, trying to find somebody who loves you, validates you. Can I tell you, you don't have to keep giving your body to another lover. Give your soul to the one who made it. He will fill you. He will satisfy you more than anything in this world. Some of us today, we need to break addiction and bondages. Some of us, we've been getting drunk weekends on end, trying to find some peace, trying to find some healing. Today, alcohol addiction is being broken in the name of Jesus. God, bring healing. Pornography addictions are being broken in the name of Jesus. Generational traumas are being broken in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, bring healing to our life. Help us to redirect our life into the arms of our true lover. And in his presence, there's pleasures forevermore. God, forgive us if we've been bowing down to these idols that are just distractions. They've been distorted. Today, I pray you bring peace in Jesus' name. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. Every eye closed, every head bowed. We're leaving in just a minute. I want to pray for one last group of people. If you're here today or watching online and you don't know Jesus, if you say, Alex, I need Jesus in my life. If you say, I've been lost, I've been looking, I've been searching, or... Or maybe you're thinking, Alex, I've done too much wrong. There's no way God can love me. I want to tell you, he loves you more than you can imagine. The Bible says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all failed. Every single one of us, we failed. We bowed down to all of these idols. Not one perfect person in this place. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. My friend, you and I are sinners, but God is a good lover. And he gave up himself so that you and I could be forgiven, free, healed forever. The Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. He went up on a cross and he died for humanity. He died for me and he died for you. He went down to a grave for three days. He was dead. It looked like sin and death had defeated, had him defeated. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected from the dead. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is alive. Today, every eyes closed, every head bowed. Come on, the church praying. If you're here today, you're saying, Alex, I'm looking for that peace. I'm looking for that satisfaction. I've been looking in all the wrong directions. 
Today, if you want forgiveness of your sins, if you want to start life brand new, only God could do that. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Hold it up for a few seconds. I'll see you. Then you can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not calling nobody out. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. If you're saying, today I need Jesus. Today I need forgiveness. Today I want a brand new start. Or maybe you've known God. You grew up in church like me, but you've run away. And you're saying, today I need to come back to the Father. You raise your hand as well. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. As high as you can. Hands raised up everywhere. I see you. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. 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 Anybody else who raise it up? Amazing. If you're watching online, you can make that decision right there where you're at. Throw your hands up. God sees you. Let us know in the chat. We've got pastors and leaders there that would love to pray for you. You can put your hands down. Let's say this simple prayer. From the bottom of your heart, say this with all you got. In fact, let's all say it together as one big family. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected come into my life from today on I'm forgiven I'm saved and I'm healed in Jesus name amen amen and amen come on so many hands went up people making a decision to follow Jesus if you made a decision to follow Jesus there's a connect and pass by pick up a Bible it's a free gift from us to you come on we love you let's leave out of here celebrate we're gonna sing this song out one more time i love you church next week we wrap up the series make sure you're here get in the connect group today pass by the connect tent make sure you find somebody come on lift your hands father we thank you may your presence go with us god may your glory shine upon our face this week god i pray that you bless your people